0: So, Father, I, Lord, I pray we would just dial down and we would just rest. And we would come not worried if our kids will distract us. We will come not worried about rent or relationships. And I just, I pray that we would hear and be ministered to by Jesus, and I just, I pray, Jesus, you would be here, but we also want to rest, we want to hear what what the Spirit is going to communicate through His Word, because He always does, it's the book He wrote, and so I just pray for peace, whatever anxiety is, just pray you just fill this room with peace, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, I felt that, peace, okay, um... There was here's the cool intro. There is no greater moment in human history than this moment. Like there really isn't. If you think about uh, like human history, even Time magazine would say that Jesus Christ is the most uh, influential, most popular person on planet Earth. There is nothing more monumental than the coming of God at Christmas. So Christmas, one of the biggest themes that we're talking about in this Christmas series is Christmas is miraculous. Like it really is miraculous that God himself would step into human history to accomplish something in our place. Like like he is amazing. The whole Christmas narrative is miraculous. So one of the things we've been talking about, uh, this is only the second week in this series, is not only the miraculous beauty of Christmas and what it means theologically for us, but we're also looking at how Jesus came and how miraculous that was. Meaning like he came through like supernatural means, like he came through dreams, through angels, through prophetic words. He, he came through a virgin birth, the incarnation. Those are the themes that we're talking about. And so today uh, we're talking about angels. Now angels, interestingly, are like in every passage at Christmas. Like they're they're everywhere. This is their greatest visible ministry announcement. Like this is this is their time to shine. And they do, right? You think of like the shepherds, like they filled the night sky with the glory of God. There's radiating God's glory. Uh, so we're talking about angels today, okay? Specifically, we're going to talk about what God teaches us in the life of Zechariah. Uh, so Zechariah and Luke chapter So if you have a Bible or your phone, go to Luke chapter one, uh, starting in verse five. Zechariah is the first angelic visitation. So if you're like, how are we going to do this sermon? Let me tell you. We're going to first look at um, what God is going to show us our greatest Christmas need is. Like one of the things you're going to first learn in Zechariah and what the angel reveals to him is our Christmas need. Second, we're going to look at why and how God changes Zechariah's life. And then third, we'll look at angels. Okay, so that's where we're going to go today. Uh, let me read the passage. so You can get a full sense. And then I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit one more time to give me just the gifts to, to do what I do up here. And then we'll walk through it. Okay, good. See, the piece is still working. Robert's like, just taking pictures already. You're ready for CG. Okay. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. By the way, Luke is a lawyer. Okay, so if, if how many of you like, you know, you go to university and all that kind of thing, and you hear like, oh, the Bible was written down years ago. Okay, it wasn't. Luke, I mean, the Bible was recorded years later than the actual events. It wasn't. Luke records, okay, so we have we have eyewitness accounts of what happened in first century. You have New Testament manuscripts that were found literally 50 years dated after the resurrection in these stories. So, Really cool, Luke's a lawyer, he's a, he's a details guy. So if you read myths, they start with once upon a time or they start really high. Luke gets into real events, real people and real stories. So just, you know, we're talking like uh, 37 to 4 BC right now. This is, this really happened. I just want, I keep wanting to tell you that. Like this is not just a school story. This is real events and real history. So in the days of Herod, real times, King of Judea, that was a real place where he was king. There was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both godly people before God. They were righteous, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statues of the Lord, but they had no child. They'd been praying, longing, wanting a baby, because Elizabeth was barren and both were too old now. Now while he was serving, so here's the context, while he's serving as priest before God, The angel said to him, do not fear, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayers have been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great before the Lord and he must not drink wine or strong drink Know this, for I'm an old man, and my wife has advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. You know, behold, you will be silent, unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. Oh, it's up here. Let um, me pray. Jesus, I ask that you would help me, Holy Spirit, just preach and hear from you, and I pray that you'd use the gifts that you've given me, and I pray we would really encounter Jesus, and I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. So first, our Christmas need. Now, here's the context for the angel's visit. Uh, Zechariah, we learn right away, he's a priest of the division of Abijah. This goes back all the way to King David. So if you know your Old Testament, if you don't, that's totally fine. King David was like the pinnacle of kings. Things were going really, really well in Israel. And so he takes Aaron's descendants and he, he with this new temple coming, uh, divides them into 24 divisions. So here's what this meant practically. If you were in one of these 24 divisions, which there were many in each division, you got to serve in the temple twice a year, because there were so many divisions, broke up 24, and there were different tasks that you would do, but once in a while there would be this super special, uh, out of this world, only like only some could get it. It was like hitting the jackpot if you got it. And that was this task. It was bringing the incense portion in and praying. And so Zechariah, in this moment, he gets this. It's like lottery for the priests. They're like, woo, so exciting. Okay, so let me explain this. Borrowing from three rabbinic writings and from the Old Testament, we learn in the afternoon sacrifice, so there's two sacrifices, morning and afternoon, the incense was last, and the assigned priests, along with two assistants who carried burning coals, would take the coals from the great altar, where the sacrifice would happen, into this chamber of the Holy of Holies. So the Holy of Holies was like this huge veil that separated where God was said to have dwelt with his people, and they would come in and they would offer these prayers and incense, and um, and so... I mean, it's great. Let me show you this. Let me just show you this. So, so here's this temple. So there's the altar over there. See the priests climbing the stairs. They would take the coals and then they would come in and they would have to do all this cleansing prep before they even got in. And then, see number five. You can see five. We'll zoom in. That's where he is. So that's number four. Is this giant veil of the holy of holies? Um, and he's right there. So then the two assistants would leave and the priest would go on his knees and he would burn the incense and he would pray. It's crazy. So, so imagine this is the holiest moment. Like this is the closest to God, so to say, Zechariah has ever been. And then it happens. Verse 11. And there appeared to him an angel from the Lord standing on the right side of the altar. Zechariah freaks out. And the angel says, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. I just, I, you need to, I felt this the moment I was reading this text, God hears. Like he doesn't have to say that. God, whenever he comes and he communicates to us, he communes with us first. He loves you where you are. He could have just told Zechariah, here's, this is, what you're, this is what's gonna happen. But he wants him to know, because I think he wants us to know that God hears the cries and the longing of you and your wife. I don't know if some of you are actually asking for a child, but I want you to know God hears you. He really does. And, and your wife will bear a son, and you'll have joy and gladness. He cares about you emotionally, how you feel. You'll be happy. He also tells them, like, you can see, like, the reproach that came on on Elizabeth, like the town was like, oh, you guys can't have babies, there's something wrong, like spiritually with you, because in those ancient times, like if you couldn't have a baby, you know, it was kind of a curse. And so they lived, they were godly people in the community, but no matter what, because they didn't have children, they were considered like, hmm, like second tier. And he's like, you know what? The whole town's gonna rejoice. The whole town's gonna be like, this is awesome. Why? Because he's gonna be great before the Lord. He's gonna have a huge role. He must not drink wine or strong drink. He can't be divided divided or unfocused for ministry. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then look at this, verse 16. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to do what? To turn the hearts, to make ready to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Zechariah, God's going to use your son, a man so devoted in the fullest way, to do what? To go before God, to go before the Lord. You know, he, like the Lord's coming and they're not ready. And you need to get ready, you need to get them prepared. And, and this is the Christmas need, this is the first point. We There's a Christmas need before Christmas actually happens that God himself communicates to us. Now, this would have blown Zechariah's mind. Here's why. Zechariah's a priest. He knows his Old Testament, okay? So he knows the last sentences in the Old Testament were from Malachi. So the last time God has communicated through a prophet is in Malachi. And listen to the last words that Malachi says. It's like, show, show, me, the, show me the verse. Uh, look at this. Behold, this is 400 years before, Behold I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord day of the Lord comes and he will turn same language. The angel is saying ultimate salvation is coming. Before there's judgment there's going to be grace. I'm sending my messenger to prepare people's hearts and this is the Christmas need. So look right at me what he's saying. Is our need is to be in a place of repentance, of turning, of, of hunger, of to see this, this truth. We can't save ourselves. That's what he needs to prepare Israel for. They need to, before this Messiah comes, be in a place spiritually where the only requirement, the only requirement for receiving grace, for receiving the Messiah, is to acknowledge sin as it is and to be in a place where you can say, you have to help me. No one will come to Jesus until you're in a place where you can say, like the song says, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. This is what it means to be prepared for a savior. When John the Baptist shows up, by the way, he, he's crazy, right? You can read about him. He's like, dressed in like all these like weird garments eating honey and bees are on his face. Um, but he starts screaming repentance and listen to what he says. Bear fruits and keep in with repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. Meaning don't begin to say, I already have my own self-salvation. Okay, don't, don't. You don't, you need, you still need. You need to say, God, I am nothing. I owe you everything. Jesus Christ has to be your everything. Only then, when you, if you can say that, only then he will he come into your life. Being prepared. So if you're taking notes, kids, where are you? Center? Fill in the blank. I don't know if this one made it, but being prepared for Jesus means being in need of a savior and turning from anything we're looking to outside of God to save us. Being prepared means being in need of a savior. That's how you get ready for Jesus. If you want Jesus to work in your life, you need to to have a place of need where you're not trying to be your own savior. So look, I I just wanna pray this for you right now. Okay, I wanna pray. Holy Spirit, I just wanna pray that you would show us here in this room where we are living in our own self-saving strength. And pride. Would you just show us, would you show us this week where we are, we are just, we have this pride that we can save ourselves and when we're not simply clinging to the cross? So just, I pray you'd reveal that in us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would show us, God, where we on the North Shore need to show people their need for a Savior. We're called to share the gospel, but we are also called to do the ministry of John. People will not cling to Christ until they see that stuff in their lives. The, the, the being a better mom, the being a better co, the, all of it will not save them. And I pray you'd give us courage to say, I think you're looking to that thing way too more or way too much to give you a sense of salvation. What if there was a God? What if he could give you meaning and identity. I just, I pray for us, Lord, give us more of that, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so if that's our need, um, our Christmas need, let's look at how God works in preparing or doing this grace in Zechariah. Okay, now, to do this, I want you to imagine with me, from you're your one of, it's going to be really hard because no one has, no one's ever been an angel, but imagine with me from the angelic perspective what what has just happened, okay? This would have been, okay, you got to think about it they they are beings who have been with god in all of this work of of human history so for example they've seen every moment god has been pointing to this messiah every prophet they've all this is the biggest moment in heaven this is the most massive earth shattering all of history fulfilling like the announcement that they knew malachi said 400 years later is now coming and they're like gabriel gets to go and say it they're all freaking out Let's see what Gabriel says. The angels are like, boom, 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 boom. So here it is, all of this response. This is like, Gabriel says it and they can just see the mic drop, boom. And what's Zachariah's response? How shall I know this? Literally, it's like, prove it. Prove it. Why? Because I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. If you were the angel, you'd be like, what? What? I mean, just picture this, okay? There's a floating being that's really bright. It's like, this is why I'm really bright. There's a floating being telling you, I just came from God. He hears this specific prayer and it's going to happen. And you still want to sign? Like, I didn't just like, I wasn't like, at, you know, like the rabbi social and heard something. This is really God. No, you know what? No. Verse 20, behold, you will be silent, unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not, you did not what? What's our word? You did not what? Believe. Okay, let's go a little louder. You did not what? Believe. This is why this word believe means to accept as true in Greek, to think in his heart as reliable. And it comes from a Hebrew word, which means prove to be firm. So he sees an angel that proclaims Malachi, it's going to happen. He's in the Holy of Holies. Like he's just right there. And he doesn't think it's proof enough to be firm. And, And what does this teach us about God? Instantly, I know exactly what it's teaching us. Here it is. He's a good surgeon. Here's what I mean by that. God is good at using situations, even miraculous ones, to till up what he's wanting to get out, what he's wanting to transform, redeem, or set us free from. God was not surprised. He knew what was in that man's heart, and he had to get it out. Listen, listen. listen. there is something going on in Zechariah's response that's very different. For example, when you read about Mary's response, Mary has the same language, how will this be? But she right away goes, may it be, I'm his servant, let this happen. She submits. Now, Zechariah's response is not a humility ask. All the commentaries agree this is a skeptic, critical, close-minded kind of doubt they say this, there's a kind of doubt that actually wants answers. And then there's a kind of doubt that doesn't want answers. There's a kind of doubt that really, really, really shows, okay, speaking of Mary here, here's a person who's open to the truth, is willing to get out of the driver's seat of her life if she can be shown the truth, but not Zachariah. Sure, there is a, listen, listen, there's a kind of doubt which we see in Zechariah where he's using all the questions, all the doubts, all the arguments, really as a way to try to stay in control of his life, keeping his mind closed. Listen, I, there's a kind of doubt that I have seen in believers that decay once a person on fire for God. Like I've witnessed in my life friends who once on fire for God, who could not get enough of the word of God, could not get enough of wanting to share it and be warm with it, say to me now, I know all the stories, we don't really know how to interpret. I've seen that. There's a kind of doubt that's so skeptical, it's so critical, that if it's happening right now in this room, most of you have come into church before and have said this. You've thought this, at least. Here he goes. Here's, the, here's what the preacher's going to do. The preacher's going to lower his voice, and he's going to get down, and he's going to make him feel all emotional. And then comes, he's you, that is, you think in your mind, you know how to play the game. You know what this church, you know what he's doing up there. You can't come back from that. Some of you can't. And i it broke my heart. There were three people the Lord showed me in the first gathering that are I could literally feel a cut go under my chest and the room filled like Elsa's song, just with icicles. Um, there's a kind of doubt where an angel can be in the room and you go, no. I, I believe there are some of you in here that I wanna see God heal, that I wanna see God release you from. But if you don't want it, look, I believe there are some people in here who have a wound. And that wound, when it festers, maybe a pastor wounded you, a friend wounded you, a grandparent wounded you, and you hear language like theirs, it festers into an unbelief like Zacharias, and an angel couldn't penetrate it. And I think some of you can identify with what I'm saying. Something happened. Something happened. You were let down And every time you go to have any kind of fire for Christ or feel his warmth, this wall comes up. Hebrews 3.12 says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, meaning the source. doesn't mean your intentions are evil. It means the source of your doubt is demonic. The source of your doubt is, is evil. An unbelieving heart. The NRV says, Do not let any unbelieving heart turn you away from the living God. So, what's God doing? He's getting that out. Look, the next time we see Zechariah, you know what he's doing? What is he doing? So, just to throw some things out. What is he doing the next time you see Zechariah? With his mouth open. He's praising God. What else is he doing? He's prophesying, he's writing songs. He's like, woo, this God's real, he's amazing, he's got this huge faith, he's alive, he's like, this is what God's gonna do. God does something in his life and it gets that doubt out. That's a miracle. Pray if you have that, God, shut my mouth. Do a miraculous supernatural work where I am totally changed, okay? Give me a a crazy spiritual gift, do something. Okay, I believe he's gonna do that, so we're gonna pray for that. And we're gonna ask the Holy Spirit and I'm gonna ask you to have courage and we're gonna pray for you and we're gonna do this as a church. But before we do that, you're like, I think I gotta go to the bathroom. No, you don't. Um, uh, Let's talk angels, okay? Let's talk angels, give you a break. Uh, How many of you, I'm serious, how many of you have ever had a, uh, you really believe, and you gotta actually show of hands here, you've really felt that you've encountered protection, the divine direction, love, intervention of God, you really knew it was God through an angel. Maybe you're just driving and all of a sudden, something happened. You're like, that was an angel. You feel like there's been an angel encounter in your life. Show of hands. Those of you who have felt an angel. Okay. Now keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. How many of you, um, keep your hands down if you have never shared that story, if you've never shared it. Okay. Some of, you know, that's a confusing sentence. Here's my point. You're like, uh, did I share it? If you never, there's too many negatives. Um, Here's my point. I think it's super common in the church, like in our community groups and stuff, we can say stuff like, oh man, like I had a huge attack last night. Like I felt like there was a demon line to me. And we're all like, oh yeah, that's so true, man. Armor of God, let's pray. Or you're like, you know, like, uh, I think there's just spiritual warfare with this friend at work, and I don't know what to do, and we gotta pray. So The moment someone says, hey man, I had an angel visit me last night, and we're like, no. Do you see the angel now, Jimmy? No, <laughs> no? I saw him last night. But why? We're skeptical about angels, aren't we? We are, say something to pray about. Don't be skeptical, okay? So what does the Bible teach us? We're just gonna do a flyover about angels. Number one, they're created beings. Colossians one says this, for by him all things were created. This is the heavenly realm in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers, all things were created through him. And here's the key, for him. So everything has a for. we're, We're created for the reflection and glory of God. Angels have a purpose, and Hebrews 1 tells us what it is. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? So angels' big idea are active, Ministers, they're spirits in the divine service. So here's a list of things that angels do, and I'll show you, the most common thing that angels do is they bring the word of God. Um, they, they, whether they, they appeared to Abraham, Lot, Jacob, uh, they announced the giving of the law, the great events of salvation, lots of texts there, like the one that we just read. Um, others, other theologians point out the they ordinary ministry of angels is they rejoice this would be cool. They rejoice over conversion of a sinner. Wouldn't it be cool to have like eyes to see what that looks like? They would be like just angels going, Whoa! like, I don't know what they do, but they rejoice. They get happy. When you became a Christian, angels had a party. Isn't that cool? Okay, so if you became a Christian, angels, angels dance to that. Uh, they watch over believers. They protect little ones. Really cool verse. Uh, are present in the church. There could be an angel in this room. There could be. There probably is. Um, Hello, just kidding, we're not doing that. Okay, Uh, allow themselves to be taught. That's interesting, they carry believers into Abraham's bosom. In Daniel 10, we learn that they're involved in spiritual warfare. Like, you know, there's an angel fighting the spirit of, of, uh, what's the country there? No one, okay, spiritual warfare. Uh, My favorite one is that they, in the book of Acts, they do jail breaks, right? That'd have been a fun one, get them out, go guys. Uh, well, there's one place in Acts where like, where there's a huge uh, storm, and God comes to uh, Paul through an angel. I'll, I'll read it to you. It says this, and now, yet now I urge you, so there's a big shipwreck, it's coming, and he's going to go to Rome. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar and behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So he says to them, guys, take heart, for I have faith in God, in God, that it will be exactly as I've been told, but we must run aground on some island. So an angel comes to to tell him what's going on in the future. Another one, here's my favorite one, when I was a kid, Uh, And I remember I got my first Bible, Elisha. Remember that story? So Elisha's servant's freaking out. There's a big army coming towards to kill Elisha. And we read this. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, do not be afraid for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, gave him this sight into this realm we can't see, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. One of my favorite missionary stories comes from, I mean, I read it from Billy Graham's book. Uh, but you can read it right from John G. Patton. So he was a missionary uh, in these islands just outside of Indonesia, and he tells a story where like these all these villagers were coming to destroy. They had flames of fire. He could hear them coming, and approaching in their missionary headquarters. And it was him and his wife at the time. And so they just started praying, and all of a sudden it stopped, and they left. And um, so here's what he writes. A year later, the chief of the tribe was converted to Jesus Christ. And Mr. Patton, remembering what had happened, asked the chief what had kept him and his men from burning down the house and killing them. The chief replied in surprise, who were all those men you had with you? Patton was like, there were no men there, just my wife and I. The chief argues, like he gets a little frustrated. He he said, no, no, there's no way. He said, quote, many men, he, we seen... They had seen many men standing guard, hundreds of big men in shining garments with drawn swords in their hands. That's awesome. I, I, I had a few more stories I want to read, but I want to do something else. I appreciate the author of Hebrews 13:2, where he says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels without knowing it unawares they're ministering they've they've ministered more than likely hundreds of times in your life they love God's servants that's their job they wake up every day actually not they sleep they're actively every day serving God's servants so it shouldn't surprise us then from time to time that God would allow us to see or be aware of angels we can so that we can sense his love. We can thank him for his profound supernatural care, divine guidance. Really important, let me say this. Different than spiritual gifts, uh, we're never called to pursue encounters with angels. We're never, there's no, if anything, John, when he actually has a vision from an angel of the end times, he actually falls down to like, but worship the angel. And the angel's like, stop, stop, don't do that. I'm a servant with you, worship God. So we're not called to like pursue angels or go after learn angel stuff. Uh, It's good to be aware. It's good to be excited that there's an army of servants dedicated to ministering to us. But our heart is to focus on Jesus because that's what they wanna do. They wanna highlight Jesus. They wanna bring the message of Jesus. But from time to time, you should expect one way God might intervene in your life with divine guidance, protection, and oftentimes, he will. Uh, it's through angels. So there you go. Cool. Right? Turn your neighbor and say, That's, that was cool. That was cool. Okay? That was cool. Um, so here's what I want to do. I believe God wants to minister. So I, I believe he wants to do something this morning in the same way he did in Zechariah's life. Um, I hope he doesn't shut all your mouths, though that would be a weird church experience. We'd all come out and be like... <laughs> but he could. And if he did, I actually think that would be really, really helpful for some of you. (laughs) Not in that way. (sighs) Just something to pray about. Um, But I believe that God wants to reveal in us what's hindering our faith. What's hindering our risk for him. There's unbelief at the Shore Church. I don't know how to explain this, but I'm going to do my best. I believe we have good doctrine. I believe that we have right belief. I believe we have good theology. And so if an angel, if if Jesus were to walk among the lampstands, he would say, you do this well. But I believe some of us do not believe in the outworking ministry that God's calling you to do the works Jesus did in the way Jesus did them. You stop. There's something there. Of unbelief. I believe there's addiction in this room that is hindering unbelief. And I believe you need to bring that addiction to this prayer team and tell us, I'm addicted to this. And we will pray and we will counsel and we will pray for you. I also believe there's some of us that have doubts that are keeping you in a place of just critical. You're so critical. In every conversation, you're the critical guy or the critical girl, and God wants to break that. He wants to just tell you that's not from him. You need to stop being critical. For some of you, it's sin. The source is sin. There's a sin in your life. For others of you, you have a demonic spirit. I know that sounds weird, but you do, and you don't even know you do. But if you feel every time a desire for the warmth and the affections of Jesus, and all of a sudden you hear you're not worthy or you're something else comes into your heart and it closes it. That's a demonic spirit. You just gotta recognize that. Some of you have unbelief through a wound. You have a wound. You have a, a leader said something to you um, or it was a book. Someone gave you a book and you actually can remember this book and you can remember reading it and it it it's you spiral, you had this crazy fire for the Lord and this book took you out. Um, I don't know, but here's what I know. Just like Zachariah, you still come to church, but you're, you're apathetic, you don't care, nothing changes in your life. You don't care, but you hate that. And you know God loves you and you feel his affections for you and you want him to release that and knock that out And if that's you, you need to let us pray for you. The elders will be over here. We'll have a prayer team over here. We're gonna have a time of ministry where I'm gonna actually have you stand. And I guess most of us will stand. And then we're gonna pray for each other in this room. But we're also going to have you come if you feel anything about addiction or demonic spirits, come over here under this exit sign and we're gonna pray. There's a wound from a past, either a grandparent or friend. And, and you, you need to come to God with that today. You need to come to prayer. You need you need it, cause because here's the thing: I think God's taking the short church into a whole new season. And I just think he's cleaning house. I think he has something for this ministry and these people and us, even in the new year, that he wants to reignite a new assignment, a new passion, a new. Encounter with him, and you need to want it. I can feel that emotionally, and he can. He can do it. You just got to say, He can. Here's how I know He can. He went to the cross, he was quiet. He did not speak when reviled against. He, in the place of Zechariah, shut his own mouth so that he, when he rose from death, could give the grace of God to Zechariah. And Zechariah prophesied this power. Are you ready for it? Zechariah says this, blessed be the Lord God of Israel for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn. You know what a horn means? It means a victorious champion of salvation for us. And that champion is here. He's here in this room and he's here in real life and he can set you free and he is your victory today. Before I pray, and I'm going to pray for you, and I want to have Ella come up. So, Ella, will you come up here? She's going to share a testimony of uh, she was here three weeks ago, and God radically set her free from shame, anxiety, things like that. But I want her to share it, mm-hmm. and then I'm gonna then we're going to go into a time of ministry.
1: Okay. Yeah. Good morning, everybody. Um, yes, I was here a couple of weeks ago, and. Life can be very hard, as I'm sure a lot of you know, just like random crazy things happen all the time. Um, Like life's hard enough just kind of being like young and trying to figure out where I fit in the world and everything, but you know, I've had like a friend pass away from suicide recently, Um, just sexual trauma from really evil people that are in the world. Um, And I just like would sit in church and people are like, God is good, he has a plan. And I'm like, everything seems so random so chaotic. And I, I just don't know if I buy it. And it was just like trying to live um, like this life where you're trying to force yourself to believe that like God is good when you're just like hurt and like you're feeling shame and guilt and like, you know, how can He be good if I feel these things? And like, if I don't have peace, you know, and I think it was an issue for me with like my pride and thinking that like my sin or these, like, evil things in the world were too big for God to fix and everything was too messy and complicated for him. So James had said, like, you know, come, if you are feeling like, you know, God, like, like Christ's blood is sufficient for you and you need to believe that. Um, And if you're not believing it, like, come get prayer. And, yeah, I'm just here to say there is so much power in prayer and so much power in the name of Jesus. And I have experienced, like, in the last couple weeks, like, joy like I can't believe, and healing in ways like I never thought um, I could have in my life. And I'm so, so thankful for that experience. Um, yeah, so just, if you're feeling stirred to confess or repent, just do that. Um, and I, I know you'll experience uh, freedom. We have a good God who's here with us. Um, yeah, so just come today if that's you.
0: Thank you, It's awesome. Yeah, woo, very exciting. Okay, so here's how we're going to do this, and if, if most of you stand, I praise God for that, but um, if I mentioned you, and the Spirit said, this is you, and I want to set you free, I want you to be brave right now, and I want you to stand up. I just want you to stand up where you are, and we're going to pray for you. So Jill, you guys can come up. that was you, I want you to stand. If you have this kind of doubt going on in your life and you find in your heart an apathy towards God or you feel or hear you're not worthy, that's awesome. Praise God. I'm so, you guys are just brave. So here's what we're going to do. If you didn't stand and you know your heart's just pounding, that's okay. You can stand it and receive prayer. Come to us over here. But right now, I want you to get around those who are standing. So body, you can get around. Jill's gonna play some music. I want you to get around them and I want you to pray for them. I want you to pray for them. Just pray, ask the Holy Spirit to show you how to pray. But let me say this really quick and I'm gonna pray this for you and then you're gonna pray. Um, What you're experiencing, those who stand right now, if you're standing, what you're experiencing right now is the love of God. He's such a good dad. I want you to imagine, I want you to imagine, like when Jesus sees these kids coming to him and the disciples stop him. Um, Those disciples are gone now. Jesus told them to let the kids come to me, but you're still standing there wondering if you can still run to Jesus. And he's saying to you, You can't. You can run to him. He loves you. So this is his love. So just receive his love. That's all I want you to hear, just receive his love. They're gonna pray for you, but I'm gonna first pray for you. And then the elders and the prayer team will be over here. If you have an addiction or you hear lies, we wanna pray for that in a more intense way. So let me pray, Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would silence right now in the name of Jesus, the influence of the world, the flesh and the enemy. I wanna pray in Jesus name, you would bring to mind any lies and any addictions that you want to break in those who have stood up. Bring to mind those lies and addictions. Bring to mind any reason for their doubt, as small as it is. It could just be a small event. And we ask in the name of Jesus that you would grant them belief. We ask in the name of Jesus you would break those lies, that you would expose your light, For freedom, Christ has died. They are free. They're not lies. They can run to you, Jesus, and free them in Jesus' name. And then, Jesus, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you'd grant them a new belief, a new humility, a fresh trust. And I ask if there are demonic spirits present or involved that we would right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, as a church, full of the Holy Spirit and light, command them to leave. They cannot come back. They are cut off in Jesus' name from the kingdom of darkness and any attempt to derail what God is doing. And I pray this in the power, in the authority, in the blood and name of Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. So let's take some time, we're gonna pray and then we're gonna sing and then we have a little time to take communion. Come when you're ready. We won't serve it to each other, we'll just, we'll just take it individually, but we'll give two minutes of prayer and then just come take communion, spend some time with Jesus.